It's that time of week, folks. Sit back and relax as you join us on Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast. What's up, everyone, and welcome to Ringside, an American Dairy Go podcast. I'm John, and as always, I'm joined by my partner in crime here, Nate Funk. Nate, how's it going, brother? Much better. Doing pretty well this week. You? I'm doing all right. I'm uh, a little, little tired, and it's not because of Alice or anything. Just kidding. Season started, so we're uh... and ended. No, I'm. I still have one left. One. One. <laughs> hey, it's not my fault that my, my kidding season is just a little bit more tight, you know? Next year might be I, ha- I have twice. I have twice as many does left in <laughs> than you have. <laughs> hey, listen, I, I, I used my noggin, you know? So, but yeah, we're, we're hitting the ground running and uh, we've had a pretty easy kidding season so far. So I'm very thankful for that. Yes, yeah, she should be. It's, oh. That's always good. Yeah, I was a little bit worried about those yearlings kidding, and I didn't. I, out of the three does that kitted, I didn't have to touch a single one until they hit the ground. You know, that's the way you want it. Um, yeah, we had mm-hmm. we had that happen this afternoon. Perfect uh, Mi- miracle. Who's you know? Some people remember her if you follow our farm. She was the doling who was born. 21 days early mm-hmm. last year. Uh, she grew like a weed last summer and f- into the fall. We made the decision to breed her. Uh, she got bred to Leocadio and she gave us, you know, typical Leocadio, you know, twin does, uh, two beautiful dolings. Uh, yeah, you and those that Leocadio man, he uh, he really just throws the does out, doesn't he? He does. He does. The number of Leocadio sons are just uh, not that many. Uh, that can be probably frustrating for some folk, um, but it was a, a much needed uh, break in our kidding season. Mira kind of strutted around. This morning, kind of a little bit of a, you know, discomfort. Mm-hmm. We kept an eye on her uh, throughout the day, and around about three o'clock, you know, Jen said, oh, I, "I think, I think we got something coming." And she grabbed the towels and she ran out to the barn to check. And she came back with this seven-pound, twelve-ounce doe kid, and about uh, half an hour. What? I was gonna. I was gonna say I haven't even bothered weighing my kids yet. That's how out of it I am this week. <laughs> <laughs> Between having a child and and having the kid goat, that's a handful. I I just haven't realized how much tyranny in the past has helped until so far this year, where I'm pretty much doing it all myself. I mean, she she's helped with a couple feedings for me, uh, but obviously we're pretty busy with Alice, who's teething and. You know, going through yeah. all that growing stuff. So I haven't, I'm obviously not complaining. I'm very happy that uh, where we're at right now with our animals. But I'm glad I didn't freshen 18. 
Yeah, well, <laughs> we learned our lesson. I know there's people out there freshening more. Yeah. Uh, the, the the highlights for us this week were, I mean, that was a highlight, to have two doe kids born. The doe is doing fine. Mira is doing fine. She's eating hay. She's got this beautiful little out of the sock right on there. Um, she's eating, drinking. She's doing beautifully. Um, but shortly after our podcast last week, uh, Cream, our purebred, you know, you you had come down and helped us with chores as well as a mm-hmm. friend of ours, uh, Brett Armstrong. You know, thank you, Brett. Thank you, John, for coming up. Yeah. Uh, if it, it, you helped us with chores, we got to talk to some goats. You also got to just, you know, hang out and have the release of, of the Fellowship of Friendship. And it, it meant a lot to Jen and I. It was a great stress reliever. Um, but but uh, I went to walk the day after you left. Uh, I went to go past Cream with a bit of grain. And she reached out for it and buried her face right into the, the scoop of grain. Um, and she is doing much better she's up wandering around she's taken over her role as, again as uh, barn queen um, awesome but she's spoiled spoiled so spoiled right now well uh, she was living <laughs> in the house nate so yeah <laughs> well and then last tuesday we went to cornell and picked up our yearling who had had a uh, emergency c-section mm-hmm. uh, we did not uh save the kid on that one uh, the kid was, by the time they got to the kid in the C-section, it had died. Um, a bit of touch and go with her. And Tuesday, we picked her up from Cornell University. And she is currently in our house. Um, <laughs> and the joys of goat ownership, when you see a goat in the middle of your living room having an absolute blowout. And everyone in the house is acting like your favorite football team just scored a touchdown. Um, <laughs> yes! Oh, we got poop! Yes! <laughs> um, but, you know, for those who out there have been, you know, praying for my family and, and for us in this tough kidding season, um, you start, thank you very much, and you know, it's seasons like this where you, you start to appreciate the crazy little things like mm. a grown doe pooping in your living room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, hopefully I'm not about to go through that with one of my uh, second freshers, Carla. She seems like she might have a little bit of a touch of milk fever. So tomorrow I thought I had calcium gluconite here but I don't. So I'm going to go to Tractor Supply, pick some up tomorrow, and then uh, run home and, and give it to her and then go back to work. But, um, yeah, I was talking to I was talking to my friend Kurt about, well, Kurt Schnippy, who's on the, the podcast. I was like, yeah. He asked me how my does were doing, and I was like, you know, Carla's, she's not really, she's not really touching grain too much. She's kind of, I think she's still sore, and she's not really producing that much. She's still eating hay. And he's like, oh, he's like, I would check, like you said, check her temp and then most likely just uh, give her like 35 cc's of 
calcium gluconate and then uh, see how she progresses. Start off with 35. Yeah. Uh, some of the does who we've dealt with with, with milk fever, we've upped it to 60. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes with, with milk fever, you can head it off with a lower dosage. Sometimes you might even be able to head it off with some CMPK paste. Mm-hmm. We get it in the big cow caulking gun thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the downside for that for my kids is I usually grab it and make some uh, 1930s mafia mob boss quote. And, uh, it looks like <laughs> a, a Tommy gun when you get it loaded up. Right. <laughs> um, but otherwise, you know, some CMPK, sometimes you can head off something like that. Um, but when you get into, you know, full blown milk fever, you've got to up it up, you know, to 60. So hopefully you don't have to deal with that. And 35 can be enough. No. Yeah. I just, I mean, she wasn't producing great from the beginning, but she was eating her green. So I was like, okay. Um, and honestly, I'm used to looking at milk fever from the dairy cow side where they're goose necking and laying it down and completely off feed and just looking terrible where, you know, Carla's still trying to push around the other goods yeah, I, a little bit. I think as long as she's still doing that, you're <sighs> you can try to head it off with yeah some minor steps. The other thing I might suggest, minor suggestion is get some alfalfa pellets. Mm. Alfalfa tends to be high in calcium. You got to be careful on the amount you give her because it can cause some foaming around the mouth and yeah, yeah. Some indigestion but alfalfa tends to be high in calcium uh, so you might try that just to you know see if she'll eat it they tend yeah. to be sweet yeah i've been throwing stuff at her like uh so usually when my doe's kid i give them some probios just to get their gut going um especially if they had a hard kidding and and none of them did uh, but like Paige, she was a little bit slow at feed him first and now she's fine. Um, so I gave her probios and then, uh, same thing with Carla. And then with Carla, I threw some vitamin B complex at her because orally I do orally everybody, everybody, some people do it injections. I know you guys usually do. Um, but I do orally just as kind of the dairy herdsman from cows in me, I suppose. Um, but it, it tends to increase the hunger a little bit faster Yep. Um, and cause it gets in their gut. Um, so it's, as it's getting absorbed by the body, it's also helping with increasing that, that hunger. Um, and when I gave her that, she kind of perked up a little bit, but we'll see how she does, you know? Well, and sometimes if you, if you have the right dough, uh, we had a dough from, who was ultimately from, uh, Tom Cox's herd, you know, showtime. And, she would drink, we would give her Guinness when she freshened mm-hmm. or when she wasn't feeling right. And she would literally, like, <laughs> she'd drink it right from the bottle. It was like great <laughs> Guinness ad. Um, <laughs> but the advantage to the, the beer and specifically things like Guinness is it has stuff, that stuff in there to help kickstart the stomach as well as the carbohydrates and the sugars to give them energy to carry them forward. And generally you don't give them enough that 
there's any, you know, you have to worry about them being drunk or silly or, or right. whatnot. Um, you know, though, you know, I have seen, you know, drunk goats, not in my barn, but uh, I have seen goats who got too much beer. Um, one, yeah. one year when I was a kid, State Fair, some of the uh, folks going through the barn at the time, New York State Fair, you could carry your beer around the fairgrounds. And uh, we had a son and doe who apparently liked beer. And a group of guys came through and they discovered that she liked beer. And so they each gave her their, I don't know, what, 12 ounce cup of beer. Mm-hmm. And then my dad had to figure out why she was laying down in the pen acting, you know, drunk. Right. Um, eventually, the, the vet, you know, checking her over went, it still smells like beer. And we looked <laughs> over, and in the corner, there was an empty cup. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. so, someone said, yeah, we think we thought we saw somebody. So, <laughs> uh, so but no, like, goats will sometimes drink beer in, in, in mild portions. Um, you know, not a whole beer. Not a whole bottle of Guinness. Goodness, we'll open a bottle of Guinness. We keep it in our pantry for the goats. Sometimes for the humans, for the goats. (laughs) And uh, what we'll do is we'll pour it into a measuring glass and we'll stir it about once every 10, 15 minutes, pretty much. As we're walking by it, we'll grab the whisk and we'll give it some stir to flatten it. And, you know, a doe who's having a little bit of stomach trouble we'll, we'll give it to her uh, yeah sometimes we'll pour it in her water and that'll help uh with, and with milk fever sometimes that's something you've got to think about you've got to reset that stomach um, yeah so. oh yeah yeah it's uh i think she'll be okay and i mean we'll find out by next week when we record right <laughs> oh um, yeah i mean you'll know by the end you know by tomorrow yeah oh yeah um but yeah, so I actually, I, you know, kidding season. I'm I'm very happy with the kids that we have so far. They look pretty nice. Uh, we ended up with three does, one from each breeding, and two bucks. So I'm pretty pretty happy with that. Well, in the the bucks you got, I think they are out of does that are would be, you know, probably really good in somebody's herd. Yeah, um, um, I'm, I Car- I know. Sorry. Uh, no, you're good. Uh, Carla, she had twin bucks last year. Uh, both were very pretty. Um, and I sold both as bucks. And then I don't know about my Minerva buck kid, just because he's going to be experimental. So he is experimental. So that's going to be a rough sell. He's gorgeous. It, it is. It's going to be a rough sell. We have a gorgeous buckling ourselves. We just posted him. Um, you know, Mint Nexus, and he is—he's experimental. He'll his all of his kids will be American, but we've got him. You know, priced at three fifty, he should be more than that if he was mm-hmm. all American. You know, but he's experimental. He's—he is so stunning, and he's solid. I go to pick this guy up. He's—he's he's built like a brick, um, <laughs> and he's level and he's wide uh, there was a, a buck we had a few years back rubble 
he's yeah. actually a rebel great grandson, but you wouldn't know it looking at those hawks because he is so wide between those hawks. Um, hmm. Just such great width and he width throughout. But as you said, you know he's experimental, and where you know we posted him, you know true, we posted him today, but we posted him, and nobody's he seems to be interested. They think he's a cute buck. Um, but experimentals are, are a tough sell if you're going to do it, even if it's third generation. Um, yeah. I've got and, a couple people that might be able to talk into getting him. Who knows? <laughs> you might end up on your farm. Maybe. or Well, I don't know. I passed on some bucks that um, <laughs> were pretty much free, but... Yeah. Um, I've got to keep me. I spent too much on the last bucket. I spent. Oh, buck Here budget blow. Here we go. <laughs> I'm going to find a half dead one for the next buck because I spent so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I buy them frozen. So. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, uh, congratulations on your easy kidding today. Um, well, and sure. it, it, it was easy kidding. It was my, my daughter, by the way, it was my daughter, Maria's doe. So it was that much more special that it was, it was a doe who was 21 days premature. It was my daughter, Maria's doe, and just so flawless. She was so, we were all on pins and needles for this one. But, yeah. So now getting into it, now we got to move on though, because we're how far into the. Oh, you know, you know just a little bit. So. I'm, I'm on nobody's time but mine and yours, buddy. Exactly. You know, we got some ad good news. I think the yeah. top of the ad good news right now is the NG system. Mm-hmm. Does NG stand for no go? Gee. <laughs> I don't know who this man is that I'm speaking to, folks. Wow. Look at you getting all... Uh, Okay, I, I take that back. I take that back to all those, you know, David Abbott did a lot of work and he was, uh, he helped me out in a huge way this week. But I, I do know that Dave Abbott has been working pretty hard. And I know all of them down there have been really pulling as much as they can. You know, the phone <laughs> ringing pretty, I'm hearing that the phone's ringing pretty much nonstop. Yeah, um, you're getting a bunch of. Hello? Hello? <laughs> Anybody there? Uh, it's, um, yeah, uh, there's a lot of stuff that's needing fixing. I mean, like today I saw people, uh, wondering and, and, and tagging Lisa Shepard in a post or she commented or something, um, requesting information on, you know, when subscription reports going to be back to being printable and all that. And, uh, you know, she was like, yeah. Oh, we're working on it. And, you know, I had an idea, which I got to bring up to the I, director was possibly what you were going to suggest the reduction in fee for yes. this year, right? Because yeah. it's a part for however pro, long it's down prorated or something. Yeah. yeah. You know, any of our directors who are listening, and I know a few who are, you know. Hint! Hint! Well, it's not me. 
No, I mean, I understand. And, you know, actually, so today, you know, I mentioned we, we posted that buckling. In doing his his write-up, we I wanted to make sure I knew a little bit more about his dam. And so I was able to easily bring her up, actually quite easily. And I clicked on her name, and I went over, and I'm like, I wonder if this will work. I went to show wins. I believe that's the, the thing. Mm-hmm. And her dry leg came up that she went at progressive. Yeah. And it was a lot easier. And I didn't have like five windows pop, pop up across the top of my tabs. It was, <laughs> it was her show-ins came right up easily. Now that's normally something that's in subscription reports. Yeah. Um, so I, and there it was like one of these things of, Okay, this is something that's normally available through subscription reports. It's one of the things that we pay a little bit extra to be able to access. Uh, is this something that is now going to be just included in the general fee, the general membership? I... Uh, is subscription reports going to well, be needed anymore? Well, yeah, I think they are because people still want them. So, yes, people... but. But if, they want them it, all in one spot. Well, it is handy to be able to type in the DOE's or the box registration number and come up with a three or four progeny, you know, three or four generation list or, you know, progeny or show wins. But if you have all of that at your fingertips already, what more can they give us? I, there's a lot more. I know there's a lot more they can give us, only because I have family and friends in the dairy cattle industry. Mm -hmm. And yeah. what we as dairy goat breeders are getting is like, I'm not even going to say tip of the iceberg. It's more like we're just getting the glitter on the top of the cake. They haven't given us the whole cake yet. What could be done do you agree? Because I, I know you yeah, got the dairy cattle background. I I agree. Uh, well, first you kind of threw me off when you mentioned glitter because all I thought was Leocadio at the spotlight <laughs> sale. Uh, but there is a lot of improvement. Glitter balls. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was gonna I was gonna say it. Uh, there's there's a lot of things that Adka could take from dairy cattle uh, registries, even, you know, the Angus registry, shoot, even the, the boar goat registries. Um, but it's, it's a thing where it's, I mean, let's face it, Adka, not even just Adka, but the membership, it, it's, and not the entire membership, I don't want to, alienate anybody here but it seems like change is very hard for uh the membership for to us. get used for to and, and being open-minded is hard uh, for us in general yeah I and mean, we're, we're open-minded socially some yeah, of us yeah. economically yeah. um but 
change as a group, yes, change is hard for us. That's why, you know, we have a new breed come up, you know, Guernsey's being the newest. And, you know, a bunch of us breeders are kind of, you know, old time breeders. And whether you want to count me in it or not, I kind of like, huh, I wonder how that's going to pan out. Huh? You know? Yeah. Huh. They said the same thing about Oberhasli and Sables and... And Nigerian Dwarves. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. So, you know, change is hard, but it's, it, you know, it's not just us as breeders. It's us as a society. So... Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a social issue. But, no, I, I think, you know, that, that's... I'm personally really excited that we got Jim Vanderlyn in. He's got this background in that dairy cattle industry. Yeah. Um, where they're able to take base classification scores. We call them linear appraisal um, scores. And they've got it down to such a, a, I don't want to call it a science. It's more of an equation. They can almost... Uh, calculate the linear appraisal scores of the progeny. Uh, yeah. Only because they've got such a history of both bloodlines. And they can say, well, in this bloodline, this is the type of evaluation for the bloodline, not the buck, not the sire, but for the whole bloodline of that sire. Um, yeah. Your cat trying sorry, to break my cat's crinkling in the background. Yeah, you hear <laughs> Samson. Samson, get him. So, get that cat. Yeah, get him. Go get him. Psh. Sorry. Sorry. But, but anyway, <laughs> so I, I think right now NG is a lot of trouble. It's very frustrating. You, know, you sign into it, and there's like these four or five, uh, you know, error messages. Or not really error messages, but messages saying this is not available and this is not available and this is not available this is not available but some of the things that were not available last week are now available so things are slowly coming online and you know maybe the thing we all have to do myself included my son is not very patient i tend to not be very patient is you know we just gotta be patient um, good thing i'm here for you nate because everybody knows i have the most patience out of anybody <laughs> here all right i can hear the laughter from idaho <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so the ng system still has that uh continued um refinement uh going on so you know, it, it's gotten better in the last couple weeks here. So we just got to keep on trudging through and hopefully we can keep registering these kids. The nice thing is that it seems like as long as the kids are registered correctly in the system, because I've seen some people have issues where they register them and all of a sudden they're just out of whack. Uh, but if they're if they're correctly in the system, then a duplicate is available pretty much instantly. Well, first of all, with the duplicate when you mm-hmm. register the kid keep in mind by the way that there's a uh i forget what they call it. it's not a stamp duplicate it's like a, a confirmation that you've registered mm-hmm. it yeah this is what 
I forget the term for it. Uh, we're going to next month, I believe, we'll have Mark Baden on possibly. He posted on, on Facebook about uh, this issue where people are registering kids, but they're assuming or presuming that they're getting a stamp duplicate, but it's like, I forget what it is. It's like a proxy. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 It's like, it, it's it, like, it's just basically acknowledging that the kid was registered. Right. But it's, but it will not count as a stamp duplicate. If you take that no. for you to be able to show that animal at a show or to, you know, anything, you have to have the sheet that says stamped, Duplicate, right? The other you one show up with anything the, uh, provisional, registration number. provisional registration. There you go. You show up with the provisional. That's that's just saying that you and you send it to Adga. It's not been reviewed by Adga. It's not a stamp duplicate. Well, it doesn't even have so, the registration number on it. Well, neither a stamp duplicate, but. Well, the new uh, ones, do, the new ones do. The old ones were literally stamped, received, and you got yeah. a copy back. But um, the provisional does not count towards being able to show that animal. So, if you're like many people who send your registrations in, you know, the week of the show, or even you well, know, a few days before. Make sure you get that stamp duplicate back before you take that kid to the show. Well, that and the provisional won't even the if you are selling a kid and need to get them uh, health papers before you ship them off somewhere. The provisional doesn't even work with a vet. They need to have that registration number and identification as far as you know ear tattoos and stuff like that. So uh, the provisional doesn't work for that either. So it's basically just saying, "Hey, we got your registration." It's confirmed wait for your duplicate <laughs> yeah it, it, in fact in, in to, to drive a point home it does not even count by the way for your scrapies right like the tattoos are normally associated with can count towards your scrapies tag instead of a, an actual scrapies tag but right. only if the animal is registered you know with a registry the provisional won't even count for that uh, I don't know if that's true. I'm pretty sure you can just tattoo kids like with your, so my scrapey tag is, uh, or for the tattoo is HAF7. If I were to sell a weather to a, uh, I, to a sales barn, I'm pretty sure that I can get away with having HAF7 in this year. I'm pretty our, sure. Our sales barn will still make us put a scrapey's tag in. Oh, will they? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or they'll for $2 a tag. They'll put their own tag in and yeah. put our name on it. Right. Um, and uh, you know, they've got their own New York State ID, um, mm-hmm. but they'll put it with a sale. Um, so I'm sure we have listeners who can correct us on that. I know yeah. I, I know of a few. Um, now, uh, moving on, linear appraisal. Uh, hopefully we'll have some news this week. I know our counterparts, uh, Laura and Cameron, will be having a talk on that. Um, what Tuesday next week? Uh, I I don't know when they're going to be talking about that. Uh, so we 
had we're, we were going to have Mark Baden on the uh, show, who's a director, breeder, uh, part of many committees, a uh, really nice guy. Uh, we were going to have him on the show this week, but it just it was kind of short notice, uh, probably on my, you know, definitely on my part, uh, kind of been hectic lately. Uh, so we decided to reschedule just because we want to do that um, interview justice because it's going yes. to be a really fun one and informative. And we want to make sure that we're we're ready and that we're not stressing ourselves out over or stressing Mark out over, although I don't think we would be. Uh, and I know that he is lined up to be on Goat Gab. Um, I'm, I don't think it's this week, probably next week. I know they're it maybe they're it's next to, week. Yeah, they're going to want to touch on some stuff that's going to be coming out about linear appraisal and stuff like that. Um, so I don't think you'll want to talk about that before it comes out. So I'm sure it's it's probably uh, the next week. But uh, I'm really looking forward to hearing him on their show, and and I can't wait for him to be on our show in, in the near future. Yes. So anyway, uh, linear, linear appraisal, nothing has come out yet. So hopefully it'll be out this week, and and we'll know more then. There was an email that was sent out uh, to the majority of the membership if you were subscribed to emails. Uh, just saying, you know, hey, we're working on it. We're taking this seriously. From Jim, uh, the yes. new PPM, and uh, and yeah, we're. I'm looking forward to hearing what they've done. Now, if you did, if you had signed up for Linear last year and you did not get that email, um, mm-hmm. contact them at Adga. I I did. I was, you know, we've been a host herd for past three years, and well, with three if you count twenty twenty, and we didn't receive the email. I contacted Adga. There was a checkbox somewhere that didn't get checked in the new system, and they corrected it. I'm signed up to get the email. So if you're Sweating bullets and trying to figure out how you're going to get the emails. Um, to Monday morning, Tuesday morning, contact Adga, preferably by email. Mm-hmm. Um, phone systems, I've heard a lot of people saying they've called down there and, you know, they've been put on hold forever. Um, yeah. But your best bet is to send them an email. I sent an email. I got a response. Believe it or not, probably like in 30 minutes. Man. I got an email, you know, response from Jim in 30 minutes. And like five minutes later, I got a response from, you know, another employee who said, oh, I found out what the problem was, corrected it. You're good to go. So I would say if you were signed up as linear appraisal and you haven't received the email, send them an email. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have off the top of my head an email for you to send to. But I would imagine if you went to the ADGA contact page, you could send them one. That's what I did. And they'd get back to you. Can you hear my dog eating? I can. He's a happy dog. Dude. He had one happy dog. He's he's had food sitting out in his bowl for four hours at least. And he decides now the... The gusto that he's showing to just sit here and eat and be so loud. He wants to be famous. Is, uh, like, anyway, so hopefully, it, it sounds like linear appraisal 
it may be uh, abbreviated this year, but they're looking to do something. Yeah. Um, it, it's it, they're gonna try to. I'm I'm just I'm looking forward to hearing what they've got for us and and hopefully put the majority of everybody at ease that wants to take part. Um, I don't think they'll be able to do all the stops that everybody wants to have done, but we'll see. Oh no, that's because they would already be on the way. Some yeah, of our well, our more southern friends who are, you know, warmer right now than even you are. Yeah, they're those are already in mid season form. Yeah, you know, they're, they're already, uh, they would have already been scheduled. Now, up here in the northern, northeast, we wouldn't even have gotten our letter saying, yeah, you signed up. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, let's I, move on to our topic, though. I was going to say, yeah, let's move on. So, we're thinking the spring, you know, April's coming up here in a couple weeks. Uh, great time to get out and check your fence. We just had a, a great melt. Dropped probably about 16 inches of snow down to bare ground. And I'm eyeing that fence. Things are looking green. Well, they're looking brown here. But I'm thinking they're going to look green soon. Once the rest of the snow goes away. Um, I'm sorry. My dog is out of control. Dude, it's good food. <laughs> no, he's drinking like crazy. <laughs> like, what is <laughs> going on? <laughs> so, yeah, I agree with you that, that spring is on the way. Uh, we have a couple projects set up this year, which we'll get into here. Um, but basically, when spring comes, you're looking at your fence lines, uh, your your whole perimeter of your property. Maybe you're looking at your pastures if you have them and, and seeing what needs to be done. And <laughs> what are you doing, guy? What was that? What was that? I just, is that from me? I took, no, I took a drink and I got <laughs> my mustache got wet. Nate is, we, we have video where we can see each other while we're doing this. And he, I was like, do I have something in my mustache? <laughs> Well, I just took a drink. And he he got was miming, miming like the cleaning of like, the mustache. It was annoying me, so I this started pulling on my mustache, trying to dry it, but it started looking like one of these nineteen ten mustache guys. Mark is going to listen to this episode. He's going to be like, "Man, I'm glad I wasn't on this one." <laughs> Please forgive us, Mark. We can be more respectable. Um, so yeah, so, so you're looking at, you know, possibly having to do things in your pastures or your dry lots or your fencing. Um, and we'll kind of go through the list of what we have and what other people may do as far as fencing goes. I know we haven't really talked about it. Um, but that's like a really big part of your farm is your infrastructure and that's barns and fencing and, and pasture maintenance and all that good stuff. Uh, so what kind of fencings do you, uh, do you have on your farm there, um, Nate? Well, um, until recently, recently, we actually used the uh, woven wire fencing that you can buy from any of your farming garden stores. The metal, you know, 330 feet for, you know, $150, four mm-hmm. foot tall. Um, Is that the and- no climb one? No, it was definitely climbable. 
okay. it, it, and that was part of our problem was we used that and the goats would they'd graze inside the the area and then they'd see the, you know, the aspen tree growing three feet outside the fence and they'd either climb onto it and look at you know try to get the leaves or or they'd <clears throat> push through either way it compromised the integrity of that woven wire I'm and sure it did. because i have small children i don't necessarily feel good about putting a strand of electric at the top because then the the fence isn't charged but the the strand at the top would be and it sounds really twisted and demented poor reasoning i guess we ended up going with uh the woven electric netting uh the premier one one yeah kind of like premier one gallagher has some uh, i think uh what is uh zan zazir the the mm -hmm. you can buy some through online uh, Tractor Supply has, I believe, the but the woven netting, and we we have two different types of setup. But we can get into my different setup. I believe that's the kind of stuff you are using as well. I use uh, the Premier One netting for uh, our pasture, um, and that's. Like, so, like, when I'm rotating uh, them uh, on our property from spot to spot, uh, we use that. And it works really well. Uh, I did, so I did, I think I have, like, a 300-foot long one, but I doubled it, and now I have 600. So it lasts me. I can have them in the same spot uh, for two days. But I do rotate them every two days, just about, uh, depending on the length of and the amount of brush that they're working with. Uh, but I, I tend to like to keep them on there for the two days and then uh, move the pasture so that way they're they're getting on fresh stuff, giving the ground a rest, um, and rotating them that way. So I, what I've learned is if you have enough acreage where you can, you don't have to worry about rotating your animals, or if you have meaning like you gotta, you you've got ten goats. And you've got 20 acres for them. You, know, you can set that up and you can set that up with woven wire with a strand at the top and maybe at the bottom for predators or to mm -hmm. keep the goats themselves in. And you can leave it. You don't ever have to move it. And that there in that situation or but it doesn't have to be 10 acres for 10 goats or something, 20 acres for 10 goats. If you have enough ground where you don't have to worry about rotating because the goats will naturally rotate themselves, um, woven wire, the metal woven wire, might be a good option. Um, I do recommend you know, a strand of electric at the top to keep them from standing up on the woven wire. And now, Are you talking about the netting or the woven wire? The woven wire. The wire Okay, itself, I'm talking about the, the netting for what right. I use. I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Give okay. me a second. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> but if you if it's something where you're never going to have to move it, ever, I think that that's where your woven wire has value. Um, or if you have a situation where you can set up paddocks, where you can have them graze here, 
and then Grage over there. Um, yeah. You can use woven wire. The value of like the netting, my perspective, we've got eight acres here. Probably about four of it is work, workable agriculturally. Maybe five. Okay. We use the netting such that our dough pasture is relatively a fixed size, but I shrink it come fall. Okay, mm-hmm. so the netting is good if you have if you need to either change the size of your pasture area, depending on the season. Right. The other case where netting is good is if you need to change the location of the pasture area, and you don't want to set up permanent paddocks. So, for example, our bucks, we have a. 330 foot long, no, 165 foot long um, section of netting. And it makes about a 40 by 40 area. And we can move that around for our box throughout the year. And they can graze an area and constantly have fresh growth to feed on mm-hmm. throughout the summer, in the spring, summer, and fall. Now, the does, on the other hand, um, what we'll do here in a, a week or two is we'll bump that pasture out and we'll make sure that it's as big as it can be. And they'll get out and they'll start getting that fresh growth, you know, in the spring. Come fall, we'll try to knock that back, bring them in closer to the barn for a number of reasons. One, because, you know, if someone sees a... a reddish looking animal out in the middle of a field during hunting season. Yeah. The other thing is in the fall, we like to have them closer to the barn anyway, just because of, you know, weather can change quickly or whatnot. Um, I like the, the portable fencing. I know a lot of people poo poo it. Um, I find it also deters predators, minor predators, not a bear. But as far as like coyotes, our coyotes stay outside the fence. Yeah. We even use it around our garden to keep the deer out. Yeah. You know, on, yeah. on the other side of that fence can be corn. Once that's as far as long as that fence is charged, the deer won't touch it. Yeah. We um so we do, like I said, the portable netting for rotating everybody um but then we also uh use for our dry lot we use a uh, four strand poly wire um electric fence and that works really well for dry lotting um it has its advantages and disadvantages disadvantages are predators can jump through it if they wanted to um so can Nigerian dwarfs, apparently. <laughs> uh, the Oberhasleys respect it. Now, okay, most of them do. I had the doze out the other day, and Mary Mac was jumping it like a deer. So, I mean, just just clearing it like it was nothing. And I'm like, okay, that's going to be fun. Can't wait for I you ha- to get I have bigger. a confession on her. <laughs> yeah. She could do that when she was here. <laughs> oh, 
Well, <laughs> thanks for sharing that. She didn't do it at all last year. I think maybe because she was happy being in there. But when I had everybody running around everywhere the other day, she was very, very satisfied with herself for just running and jumping like a gazelle. Um, you, you, well, she is a gazelle. You ever yeah. watch? You watch her those videos you send of her running. She runs like a gazelle. Uh. Yeah, she does. <laughs> uh, so now my buck pen, we actually right now have woven wire that's like low grade that we have. It's like eight feet tall because we had it for our ducks. We used to have Indian runner ducks in where the bucks were um, before we had bucks, and it works great for them. The bucks are not hard on it, but not easy on it. They've put holes in it where I've had to mend them because they're just trying to get stuff on the other side, like vegetation. The, the bucks. Yeah. yeah the being bucks. But that's I mean, why today you need I was to get not... them in the tank. Exactly. That's it's like today I had, I was on the phone with uh, one of my cable provider. And as I'm on the phone with them waiting for them to fix stuff, um, I was like, okay, well, while you're doing that, I'm going to go put my bucks into bed because that's the last thing I had to do. And I look out, and there's Orion standing next to Voskos at the uh, fence, and Voskos has his head stuck in the fence for the first time since, like, fall. And I was like, cool. So we're doing this. I get to get stinky again. <laughs> so Because... I didn't want to go on the other side of the fence because there's just a bunch of brush and stuff. So I was like, let me, let me go ahead and, and get on this side where he's, you know, inside the fence. And of course, bucks don't have a reverse button. No, never. Ever. So I had to like reach my hand out and try to push his head in. And then it's just a pain, but we got it fixed. So anyway, long story short, uh, we have a plan this year. We're going to spend some money and we're going to get cattle panel or well yeah cattle panel um with t-posts and then we're going to run a hot wire on the top and bottom and that's for predators and because we we do live in we live in bear country so that's like a big thing right uh coyotes i'm not too too worried about with the bucks although you know some things can happen obviously uh but we're in bear country and we've had bears on our property before. I've had my dog run off bears on our property before it happens. So we want to put hot wire on the top and bottom uh, to deter bears, um, deter does that might try to get fence bred uh, and just, just kind of cover all bases. And we're going to also expand the area. So it's bigger for them. Uh, they, they'll have more vegetation. I can reseed it and it'll stick because they're not walking on the same area you know, 40 times in a day. If I were to like make a new buck pen, I know country, not country, uh, TSC carries it. It's an actual goat panel. It's like your stock panel, but mm -hmm. it's a four by four opening. Unless you're mm -hmm. dealing with kid goats, it's a size that a, a goat can't get the head into. They might be able to get the nose into Mm -hmm. It's what we use for showing. Um, our show panels, yeah, are uh, that's what we use. And that's if I were to build a buck pen, I think that's what I would use. Mm -hmm. uh, 
Yeah, we're going to price out and see what our options are and, and go from there. The, the I will say the, the only issue with that GOAT paneling is it's probably three times the amount, the cost yeah, of I can imagine. the livestock paneling. I think the livestock paneling we bought for something else was like 20 bucks, and the GOAT paneling was 60 Um Yeah. No, that's a good... You know, it's not bad. It, it, I don't know if, if the cattle panel is... I don't know. We price it out. So Tierney, my wife, is part of uh, this Facebook group that does, like, uh, raffles. So they'll have, like, different items up they can raffle. And one of the raffles was, like, this fencing uh, thing that they... Like, a package that they were doing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, you uh, won that. Yeah, the option was, if you didn't want to do that certain package that they had that they give you a $500 gift card. So that's what we did. Tierney won it. Um, and so that's what we're going to be spending that on is buck fencing this year. Um, and I think it'll, it'll go a long ways. It should be able to cover most of it. Um, but yeah, so yeah. now we've got that. Now with your fencing. Yeah. You, on. A, a, a big question here, because I'm I'm in a couple uh, pasturing and, and grazing groups on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, rotation, large pasture, so you don't have to rotate. How? What do you do? Do you rotate your pastures? Do you have yeah. large enough pasture you don't have to worry about it? Uh, my dry lot's pretty big, where. Um, I could probably get by in a season with them having decent forage, not great, but they'd be eating hay all day. Um, also, Hold, can I take a, a pause here? Yeah, yeah. What, in your explanation, I know what it means. What do you mean by dry lot? So for me, um, and again, it's like this Holstein term. Uh, a dry lot is just a lot that um, might have like. Usually, like, with, with, like, Holsteins and stuff, it's either just a dirt or a cement-floored uh, uh, area outside uh, for your animals to hang out all day. They can eat and drink and, and do what they need to do. Um, or in my case, it's a lot that is dedicated to if it's raining out or if it's winter time, fall time, and there's not a lot of... Uh, browse outside of that dry lot available and even sometimes in the summertime if i need to like give all of my stuff a rest for a week i'll put them in there um but it's where i feed them hay and give them water and they have some stuff that grows in there um usually it's just kind of junky weed grass i haven't seeded it i'm actually going to seed it this year uh and then once they're off of that i put them in a pasture where i've taking the time to uh, throw out seed, um, pasture seed, and and get them on that. But it's really, it's just a lot that uh, isn't providing pasture. So now, my situation, I have this kind of unique situation. Mm-hmm. Um, during the fall, I mentioned we pull our, ours in. And in the fall, ours is a dry lot. Mm-hmm. And that's where we, where we use that portable fencing. And actually, in the fall, half of the fencing of that dry lot is actually woven wire. 
uh, the metal woven wire fencing, except mm-hmm. for that back side, maybe one side other. Um, but come spring, we then expanded out where we where part of that the dry lot is still part of the fencing, the, the pasture, but now the pasture's opened up more into uh, the meadows. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they're able to go from the barn through the dry lot out into the meadows. Right. Bucks then get put on rotational grazing where we'll graze them in a location until they've eaten it down and then we'll move them and we'll Mm -hmm. move them and we'll move them. The danger in that is uh, meningeal worm. And with that, we've come up with different ways to handle that. Um, You know, you've been to our farm and the loud, obnoxious things that make it hard to talk in the barn are our guinea hens. Right now they're yeah. you know they're all cooped up. Actually, right now we've we finally got rid of the snow, so the guinea hens are actually kind of uh, they're kind of happy. They're out grazing in the in the bare ground, but we have our army of guinea hens who they go out in the morning before you know just after sunrise, and they kind of go through the fifteen or twenty of them through. <laughs> the dry lot now into the pasture and you know, they're what they're going after is they're going after bugs, maybe some grain, but the thing that's big for us, at least here is they're going after the snails and the slugs and the snails and the slugs are an intermediate host for the meningeal worm. And do they actually, do they actually eat the snails and slugs? Because I've seen my guinea hens when I had multiple. Uh, I've thrown snails and slugs in, went back when I had them like in a pen. Um, I'd throw them into the chickens and the guineas, and, and the chickens went after them before the guineas did. Now, here's the thing I've found is with our guineas, if we throw anything at them, we might as well be throwing rocks at them. <laughs> But if I know, for example, oh, there's a bunch of snails and slugs over here and this bit of grass over here, and I just kind of leave it alone, in about 10, 15 minutes, the guineas are over there and they're going hog wild. Now, whether they're going after the grass, whether they're going after the bugs, if they're going after uh, who knows what, what I do know is Two years ago, we had quite a meningeal worm issue. Mm -hmm. Uh, We actually ended up losing a doe this year, um, interestingly enough, to to complications from the meningeal infection she'd had. Um, And, but otherwise, since we've had the guineas out on pasture, this past year we had no signs of meningeal worm infection. Um, I suppose you could put that up there with, you know, wearing, uh, you know, what tea tree oil and not having ticks on you, you know, you know, did the tea tree oil really do the trick or were you more conscious of the ticks being on you? Um, well, one thing that I would also add that can help with, uh, preventing snails and slugs that could be, uh, carrying meningeal worm, um, 
are we used to raise them is runner ducks. Now runner yep. ducks are were brought up. Um, they're Indian runner ducks, and a lot of vineyards use them because yes. what they do is they'll grab the snails and slugs off of the grapefruit plants. Uh, and the grape plant, plants themselves. Well, well, there's fruit Not on the them. Not the grapefruit so plants. <laughs> anyway, yeah, 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 you're right. The grape plants, and uh, what they do is they would and do eat the slugs and snails, but don't harm the plant, right? So now ducks being ducks, if you put them in a pasture, they're going to eat some of the grass, uh, but but they'll also eat those snails and other bugs that are uh, in your pasture as well. Right. Now, the other thing that I find I have to do with the pasture, this part's really a pain in the butt part. The guineas do like it. The chickens like it. Um, the goats, I think they don't care. Um, maybe they like it. Is I find that it, to help control the snails and slugs, I have to mow it about every three weeks. Mm. Just to keep it from getting overgrown. Because once it yeah. gets overgrown, it's more susceptible to snail and slug. Right. Um, the other thing we've had to do is to try to keep the deer out of the pasture. So that if there are deer, are snails and slugs, they're less likely to encounter uh, deer feces, which are carrying the meningeal worm. Mm-hmm. Um, and to do that, what we've gone to doing is that electric fence, fence I've mentioned. We do a six-foot offset fence all the way around it with the idea that deer can find, can they jump into the first set. They find it a lot more difficult to make that other leap into the pasture. Instead, mm-hmm. they'll walk around the outside until either they find an opening out of it or a, a situation where they can jump over and out. And so if you were to come here and take a look at our fence, and you've, you've been here, there's a second fence that parallels our pasture fence by about six to eight feet. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's to help prevent deer from getting into our pasture. Um, and then reduce the chance that the slugs can encounter the manure and and such. Um, yeah. So. yeah the, the goal is to eventually make that a permanent fence. Now, shifting gears a little bit here, what do you do as far as shade with your uh, animals? Because I know like your bucks where you had them, at least when I was there this last summer. Yeah. Summer. Uh, they were kind of out in the open area of a, of a pasture um, with no trees in sight. So what do you guys do for, for shade? So what we actually do for right now, um, it's a little bit of old school. We've got some trees planted to try to produce shade ultimately. Until those trees are big enough to, to cast that shade, um, what we're doing is we're keeping them out till about eleven, and then they come in, um, and into the barn where during the hottest part of the day they're inside the barn. Really? Yeah. Um, it's not an ideal situation. Mm-hmm. I will admit. 
we have tried uh, putting right now they, they've got their own little structure that they can go into, but due to airflow or whatever, it's not an ideal situation. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, our livestock trailer didn't get used. And at one point, um, it was adjacent to the buck pasture, and the bucks hugged it. And I, it couldn't have been too comfortable because a couple of times we found them laying on the electric fence in the shade of the trailer. Um, and so, you know, we'd move the fence, we'd move the trailer, and we'd make note of it at the time of day, and we'd, we'd move them. Mm-hmm. Um, the We've got a couple of fast-growing species of tree planted. Hopefully, we're able to get shade cast on their uh, their area. We've got some larch going in, I think, this spring. Um, well, I've got kind of an idea of as far as that situation goes um, yeah. for you. And this is what I did in my doe dry lot. Uh, well, first, they have trees. We're lucky there. We're, our property has a ton of trees on it. you got a, a um, large wooded area. Yeah. So with the doe area, we um, I used pallets for siding. And then we had like an old metal easy up. But I mean like the really like actual like galvanized metal ones. Yep. So I use that as a frame, and then I put uh, pretty thin plywood on the top uh, and and screwed it down. And, I mean, it looks probably not the most awesome, but it gets the job done where they can go underneath that. uh, They can go underneath the the trees. They have lots of options. Uh, That might be something that would work in your book, Pen. Uh, We 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 also, bless you, whoever that was. We also have in our buck pen, um, we're again lucky where they're just completely shade. They also have their full access to their barn if they need to. Um, and then in for the does, if like they're out on pasture, I set up the electric netting where it's either incorporates the woods in some way where they're able to you know go underneath the, the canopy um, or... In a pinch, I've used an old easy up that I could put up and um, they could go underneath that for shade. Now, I will say that I did that once on an older easy up that we had a couple years ago when I first tried it and they completely destroyed it. <laughs> See, but, now, here's the crazy thing in our box. We, tr- we did try. We had an old easy up. Mm-hmm. Had no, It didn't have its original tarp. So we took an old tarp and we kind of tied it to it mm-hmm. and, you know, down around the side, made ourselves a nice tarp uh, lean-to of sorts out of it. And we put it in the buck pasture and we looked out there and we thought, oh, that'll be good. They'll give them shade or airflow. We looked out there at about just before noon and there were the bucks laying down in the bright, hot sun. Nowhere hmm. near the, the the shade. And now, I was like, are you kidding me? Now, they honestly, were- for, for yours, because you have old cattle, uh, cattle panel hanging around, I if I were you, this is just me thinking right here as we're talking, uh, I would also do 
uh, pallets, four of them, right? So two on one side, two on the other. Uh, T-posts, two T-posts per pallet to keep them upright. And then using a cattle panel, folded in half like a teepee, and then putting a tarp on top of that. Yeah, we're going to try to work on it this year. Um, the other thing we're going to try to do is I've got – I do. I, we're trying to get – when we bought the property, it was eight acres. The previous owners had removed all trees from the property. It's crazy, yeah. So since we've been here, we've been trying to replant and replant into some slow-growing stuff that will be here longer term as well as into some faster growing stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so we're trying to do that. I've acknowledged, I do know that we've got a shade issue, especially with the box. That's why we watch them. We just, we set the timer and about 11 o'clock, we bring them in. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I don't think anybody that has a uh, dairy farm with goats uh, is a hundred percent done. Right. I feel like there's always something to do. Oh, that's just the way it is. Yeah. Now, what do you guys What do you guys do for predators? Now, here's the crazy thing for us. Um, we got eight acres here, you know, which isn't much compared to many of our, you know, many people. But we've got, you know, three dogs from neighboring properties to the north. We've got a dog to the east. We got five dogs to the south. We've got our own dog. Um, so we're, we're surrounded by a large dog population. That can be a plus or a minus. We chose to go with the electric fencing for yeah. that being one of the reasons. A predators, we do have, we are also in bear country. We, have, you know, we don't have grizzlies. Some of our listeners may have grizzly bears and brown bears. We have black bear. Um, you know, we have black bear on our property as well. Mm-hmm. And what we've, what I've learned from talking to people who keep bees, is generally the electric fencing is pretty formidable against black bear. Um, and being a formidable against black bear, it's also formidable against coyote and foxes, which is what we've got here. And then the other predator, or the other um, issue that can happen to goats of dogs. I mentioned yeah. all those dogs in the a they keep the coyotes kind of at bay as well as the bear sometimes but sometimes the dogs themselves can be issues themselves mm -hmm. um so we go with the electric fencing to try to discourage that um again the double fencing helps discourage that as right. well um you know as does quite frankly um periodic discharge of firearms <laughs> yeah yeah i uh i tend to take out at least two or three predators a year probably more uh depending on the year but um we do a lot of we do active predator control on our farm in season uh, if it's out of season, that animal is definitely going after my animals in order to legally uh, harvest it. And then that is always a phone call to the DEC. 
Um, I had to do that with a bear a couple years ago. I didn't end up getting the bear, but I had a bear get into one of my grow out pens that I had for chickens back when we were big into bantam coachings. Uh, killed, it just demolished the structure and killed all but one chicken, and there was 30 in there. So I got in touch with the DEC, Department of Environmental Conservation, and uh, sent or sent them an email. I was like, hey, this is what happened. Sent them pictures. And they were like, okay, if that bear comes back, dispatch it and call us. Um, I would say to any listeners, if you have predator issues, just make sure whatever you're doing, you're doing it legally. Um, you don't need to I, be. Yeah, I would contact your DNR or DEC. Mm-hmm. New York, it's DEC, Department of Environmental Conservation. <clears throat> Sorry, dry throat. <laughs> and uh, but I know other states, it's the DNR, Department of Natural Resources. Um, New York State's also Department of Ag and Markets has a program where you're allowed to, I believe this is correct, or it used to be correct, where you're you used to be able to claim or, or put any a claim on an animal destroyed by wildlife. Yep. It's such still, that, still applicable. Such that if, you know, we used it, you know, 30 years ago, we had a, a gray fox get in to our sheep pasture during lambing season. And that year we lost probably, you know, half of our lambs to this gray fox. Hmm. Quite frankly, until one day, it was foolish enough, stupid enough, cocky enough, whatever you want to call it, to stick around with its kill for chore time. And I came out, and we we had problems. So, you know, I came out with a twenty-two to do chores, and there it was, laying on top of a dead lamb. Yeah, and. Uh, well, we didn't have a fox problem after that. Yeah. Um, I always I always carry at least my rifle with me while I'm doing chores during the summertime, just because that's usually when peak predator season is. Uh, you have a lot more cover for the predator's prey to hide, so they're a little bit more bold in trying to figure out what their meal's going to be next. Um, so, yeah, so that's what we do for predators. Now, I want to kind of shift, speaking of predators... Uh, do you guys, have you guys ever heard of or used fly predators? Yes, we do. Um, we actually found that you can order those online and get them in. Now, Mm -hmm. my advice on the fly predators, now this is kind of a shift. We've been talking about pasture and barn, pasture, and now we're talking about barns. Um, it could also be your pasture. Right. But what we did is, you know, as many herds and many barns, you know, Summer brings fly season, and fly season is a pain, and a, you're spraying, you know, pesticides like crazy, trying to kill all these flies, either before milking or or after milking. Um, and you know, it's it's the stuff smells bad. It's foul. You you can't if you forget to take milk in before you spray. Um, you can't really use the milk. Um, who knows what else you're spraying? Well, last year, uh, my wife decided to try fly predators. 
And I thought, well, this is kind of a cute thing. Well, we'll, we'll give it a shot. And there's a formula for square footage and number of animals and mm -hmm. how many fly predators you need. And it really sounds like it's a gimmick to make you buy more fly predators. And the first few times we did it, uh, we, we followed their directions. And it was like we ended up you know, ordering like 15,000 fly predators, which equated out to three little paper bags of the flies. And these flies are such that they will not reproduce. Um, so you're not introducing a non-native and it's going to end up killing the honeybees. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, wasp actually that, um, will eventually die off. It kind of is why they are able to keep you having to buy them. And so we used them and they worked great. The flies were at a minimum, and I guess we got a little cocky. I don't know what it was. Maybe we were oversure of ourselves, oversure of them, and we we backed off on the next order, and we hung them up, and we did not have enough fly predators for the flies, and the flies just overwhelmed. And we just had too many flies. And for the rest of the summer, we had too many flies. We couldn't yeah. buy enough fly predators to overwhelm the breeding population of, of fly. Barn mm -hmm. fly, house fly, whatever you want to call it. And as such, um, you know, we, we eventually had to throw up the white flag or the black flag. And... Uh, you know, use insecticides. But I think if you maintain the recommended regimen with the fly, with the fly predators, mm -hmm. you can't keep them at bay. I've seen dairy farmers use them. And yeah, they, they work great. Um, yeah, I mean, we're planning on, I believe we're planning on fly predators again this year. Um, so it's... Uh, yeah, we do uh, fly predators from Spalding Labs is where we get ours. And we get, I honestly project when I order them, I add in probably twice or half the amount more of goats than what we actually have. But that's because we also have dogs running around on the property. And, and what I do is uh, it's a monthly subscription. So every month they send you, are you all right? Yeah. <laughs> it's a monthly subscription. And what we do is we uh, send, it automatically takes out whatever amount of money it is in our account. And it sends us the fly predators in the mail. And yep. we, dis we disperse them throughout the property. Now, some people, like I think you just keep them in your barn. Well, that's but, where it's mostly the problem for us. Well, here's the thing. For us. Your, your flies aren't laying their eggs usually in your barn 
where they're laying the eggs is the tall grass that's moist uh, around your property. And then they hatch, and that's when they get attracted to your barn. So what I do is I tend to put them in the taller grass in my dry lot, uh, you know, around, you know, my taller grass around my buck pen, around my barn, um, other areas of the property where the dogs go to the bathroom. Um, and, uh, that I honestly, the first year that we had goats, uh, we got inundated and I was like, this is crazy. I've never seen so many flies, blah, blah, blah. And I didn't know what to do. And then I, you know, fighting there with fly strips and those stupid bags, the stink and all that stuff. Um, and finally I, I fell upon fly predators and I was like, wow, let me try this. And let me tell you, the first year I used it and last year too, I, I mean, we still had flies here and there. Um, you know, we still used fly, uh, spray for the goats, the, the stuff that, uh, we make for shows that I mentioned on the last episode. Um, and yeah, it just seemed to be, uh, doing the trick for us so yeah and i think that's kind of part of the pest management pasture management as well as you know your, your tall grasses um they attract more than just the flies and you get the tall grasses and that's where your snails and slugs harbor as well yeah. as your ticks and you pull enough ticks off our goats um and when they're in the tall grass um you know, there's there is a bit to be said about uh, having good pasture. Um, you know, I try to follow a few groups on uh, regenerative grazing and and pasture management. Um, yeah, I think I think when it comes to your pasture, uh, one of the best ways to get the best out of your land is to do a soil test. Yes. Um, um, most cooperative extension offices will send that up to Cornell for you, I believe. Mm-hmm. There may or may not be a fee associated, well, Cornell, to your uh, uh, land grant university or mm-hmm. your ag, local ag university. Um, for New York, it's Cornell. Um, but yeah, you yeah, get a soil test done, um, see what you've got going on there. Uh, it, it'll help you manage your property quite a bit better. Um, right. So like like my property, we're very hilly. Uh, so we get a lot of runoff. So we're pretty low on nitrogen. Um, and uh, lime, we're okay on. I usually spread it anyway. Um, but See, what I do acidic. on my prop, Right. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, what I tend to do on my property is uh, every other year... I try to, if especially on like, because like I said, we're runoff. Um, every other year I tend to reseed my pastures uh, just to get a different variety in there. Like uh, one year I did one where it was mostly a clover mix uh, pasture. This year it's going to be more of a uh, rye legume mix. Um, and that helps to just kind of rotate what's happening in your soil. Um, and when that breaks down, you have that different carbonate. Um, and that's what I, that's what I tend to do. We're looking to, I've acquired some, uh, tree foil. We're going to try to get that down. Um, mm-hmm. We're looking at trying to find ways to incorporate more of our, uh, 
or to utilize more of our manure on uh, areas that aren't being grazed currently to try to you know, increase the nitrogen in the soil um, as well as organic matter. It's also a, a manure management, you know, basically we've all got these animals and we've got growing manure piles and, and yeah. here in Norwich, we don't have that large of a gardening community to come and dig through my manure pile for, you know, black gold. Yeah. Um, so, um, it, it's just some thoughts, you know, we're, we're moving into, uh, the end of March, beginning of April here, it's time of the year. We, we all take a look at our pastures. The snow is gone. We look at the sagging, uh, fence line. You know, I've already identified some areas where I need to put in new posts on my permanent mm -hmm. fencing. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it was something that, you know, came to mind as far as, you know, things to think about, um, it's, you know, we've got the permanent fencing along, you know, section of the dry lot. We've got the portable fencing in the area of, you know, the summer feeding areas. And it's kind of that way so we can move it, uh, depending on how grazing is going, whether they've grazed it down to nothing, whether we need to move them. Um, and the bucks kind of just get rotated. And the, hopefully the other thing that will happen with the bucks this year is we'll be able to actually get them the shade that they we've been hoping to get them. Yeah. Um, and uh, a few of those trees that we planted should be enough, should be up there enough to be able to get them adequate shading finally. Um, yeah, like every year there's uh, always projects that uh, need to be done to better your land's potential and also your infrastructure's uh i guess consistency of keeping your animals in <laughs> so it's uh and happy and healthy also i want to i want to mention real quick uh when it's summertime and i have everybody on pasture i also tend i don't have ponds or, or movable tanks uh, what we do is we uh, use five-gallon buckets of water, and usually I put four or five out um, each day, and I get my arm exercise. And uh, I lug water buckets you know, up and down the property to whoever needs it. What we do is we have uh, a few of those large 25-gallon, 50-gallon totes, and we fill those up such that we're able to dump them periodically when we get algae growth. Mm -hmm. um, but we try to keep them in the shade. Uh, it was a recommendation yes. from uh, Dr. Tatiana Stanton. Try to keep them in the shade. It also keeps the water a little cooler. It's a little more refreshing. Shade The animals are more drawn to it in the shade. Mm -hmm. um, you have less algae growth. Just the benefits of keeping your water in the shade and having adequate water in the shade for your animals, especially during the dry times. And the dry times, mind you, also include Right now, you know, we're going to hit nine degrees tonight. We need to make sure there's adequate water in the cold, dry times. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, yeah, we try to keep the water in the shade, uh, keep it cool, keep it fresh, keep it algae free. Yep. Um, Agree. So, 
Was there anything else you wanted to add on this topic there? No, I think we've uh, co- covered a lot of things. We've we've got a, um, I mean, it's a topic I think that can just keep going. I look as forward most to of hearing them are, right? how, what? I said, as most of them are, right? <laughs> yeah. I look forward to hearing what other people have to say about this topic. Um, feel free to comment on our Facebook page when we post this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you have questions, we'll try to incorporate them into another show. Um, if yeah. Or try to answer them right there on the spot. Um, if we don't know, we'll look it up. Exactly. So I think this is a good spot to end. Uh, as always, Nate, thanks for joining us today. Or You're me welcome. Today. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, everybody else, thank you for listening on this week's Ringside, an American Dairy Go podcast. We'll catch you on the next one. Ringside, an American Dairy Go podcast is not an affiliate of the American Ringside, Dairy an American Dairy Go podcast. All opinions is not or information regarding the, the ADGA does not represent all opinions the or information regarding the ADGA does not represent the registry.